Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. That may manifest your true spirit as you've intended it, O God, for your sons on the face of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. All right, so tonight we want to start a new series, uh, and I'm calling this Keeping Coals of Fire. Keeping Coals of Fire. You know, Keeping Coal of Fire. Uh, we are believing our test. Uh, we read that on Sunday, briefly, as the B part of the text we read on Sunday, which is uh, Romans 12, verse number 20, is what I intend to read tonight. Romans 12, verse number 20. Um, and it says, Therefore, if the enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, Thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And the 24th verse says, Be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Now I want you to get this. Because it's important you see today within the body of Christ. The kind of prayers that we offer. The kind of mindset that we have concerning such individuals, if I may use the word, that will call our enemies. We must understand something that we are God's children. And we're supposed to be made in the image and likeness of God. So what should inform our conduct? And even that which is our belief has to do with the character of God. The nature of God. Because we are made in the image and likeness. We are his sons. So in the true sense, what you can find in God, you are not supposed to exhibit it. The reason is because the spirit of God by which you are bedded, that's the spirit of sonship by which you are bedded as his son, is that of God. So God's character ought to be our character. Therefore, whatever belief we have that is informing our prayer pattern has to be scrutinized whether it is truly conforming to the character of God or not. Last week, Friday, as I remember, we said here, I think Emmanuel was teaching when he said, if we pray according to his will, 
he heareth us. That is to say, we could be doing all the prayers we are praying, but if it's not according to his will, he's not going to hear us. We have this prayer pattern which we do know that's all over the place of how that you've got to kill your enemies so that you can maybe enjoy the glory of God or have whatever thing God has for you. Now without that being done, you may not be able to assess what belongs to you. But the question is, how true is that? Now here is Paul speaking and saying, Therefore, if, if the enemy, that is, if you consider somebody your enemy, so you already have an assignment. And what's the assignment? You're looking out for opportunities to help your enemy. Now, the question is, when you are doing that, with what mindset do you have in doing what you're doing? When you heap coals of fire in our common understanding, it's like judgment of vengeance upon your enemy. But when you look at the scripture, whether this is true, hallelujah. If you read this from the Amplified Translation, this is what it says Romans 12 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This is an assignment. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. <laughs> and that looks very interesting. But the B part is the most important thing. Oh, the verse 21. It's about do not let your enemies, I mean yourself, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil, master evil with good. So, if I may ask, have you observed the trend of prayers ongoing within the body of Christ? Largely. Have you observed how powerful a prayer seems to look like when it ends with Holy Ghost fire? Have you noticed that? For prayer to be effective for us today, it has to end with Holy Ghost fire. By implication, we're calling on the Holy Ghost as fire of God to do what? To consume the enemy. But we are trying to look at the scriptures. Are we commanded in any manner? To call for the Holy Spirit of God to burn off our enemies. Though these patterns of prayer really reflect the character of God, so that we are acting like Him, because we ought to imitate God as small Jesuses, if you will, His sons. Though we have the character of God, does God exhibit such character that when he has an enemy, then he wants to release fire to consume the enemy? Do we have such as a character of God? If it's not the part of the character of God, where did we get this from? 
If it's not scriptural, where did we get this from? Hallelujah. You look at the scripture, many a times Paul faced threatening situations. Many a times he faced such horrible situations. Remember, even it got to a point where some people went on a fast and they said, until Paul dies, they are not going to break the fast. Remember, Paul even had to get off through a window to escape being lynched by people. But where can you find Paul praying against those people and asking the Holy Spirit to consume them as by fire? So, what, what life-threatening situations have you faced and then you find that the enemy is responsible, therefore now you must revenge by causing fire to do what? To consume those enemies. Where do you find it? There's a big difference between true worship in spirit and in truth in just being a Christian in court. And when I use the word Christian, I mean just being religious. Now can I tell you something? That you get result in what you do doesn't mean they are approved of God. Amen? So even if you pray people to die, and they are really dying, in quote, doesn't mean they are approved of God. If you must understand something, we are serving to please God, not necessarily for our own benefit. Hallelujah. What was the response of Paul to such situations, threatening situations, for instance? Hallelujah. So what is Paul saying now in Romans 12? Feed your enemy. Give him water to drink. I mean your enemy. You see, what I'm really baffled with is the scripture tells us, Jesus was saying, if you be my disciples, keep my commandments. The key to being a disciple of Jesus is obeying what he says. Not what we think, not what we feel is working for us. No, that is not what makes you a disciple. Hallelujah. As sons of God, what is our goal in all that we do? What is our goal? What's our objective in whatever thing we do? Even in terms of worship, what is our goal? Do we still believe in the victory of Christ for us as sons of God? I mean, going by the character we exhibit in the church. Do we still believe that Jesus really got the victory for us? 
as sons of God. Praise God. So now again, if you look at that Romans 12 verse 20 from the message translation, this is what it says. Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. I like that. Go buy him lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. That's a translation. If you see your enemy hungry, go buy him lunch. I don't know how many of us are ready for that. Hallelujah. For those of you who have so many enemies all over the place, if you truly want to prove that you are a child of God, you have a lot of party to throw. Hallelujah. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. If you truly believe that you are a child of God, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, and yet you have so many enemies, oh, I tell you, you have a good occupation feeding people all the time. And when that is not done, then you are not genuine. You're fake. You are not a believer. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the B part says, your generosity, notice that, will surprise him with goodness. So, this is what we're going to be considering this next few sections of Bible studies. If the enemy hunger feed him, now do not forget. You know what he's trying to say? Don't forget to show mercy and love to people who are even your enemies. It's a simple instruction. It's either we're going to obey it or we're not. Is that I'm going to follow the instruction of the scriptures or we want to live our own lives? Praise God. So when he says, if your enemy hunger, feed him, if he's thirsty, give him drink, what he's saying is, do not forget to show mercy and love to people, even your enemies. Don't forget to do that. Why is this so? Why is the scripture telling you not to forget to show your enemies love? Why is it telling you not to forget to show them mercy? Why do you think the scripture is telling you that? I have a reason for it. Romans 5 verse number 10. Romans 5 verse number 10. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And that scripture tells you that you were once an enemy of God. Now how did God respond to your enmity? And I forget we are God's children right now. So when we're an enemy of God, what was God's response? 
to you or towards you. Praise God. Are we here? How did they respond to your attitude? How did they respond to how you treated him as an enemy? How? That was a question. Praise the living God. Are you listening? Look at that. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It's a simple statement. We were once enemies of God. So the question is, how did God respond to our attitude towards him as enemies? He said we were. And we all know we were. Hallelujah. So you know what happens here. You've been an enemy of God. God's response towards you was mercy and love. It was because you were his enemy that he sent his only begotten son. He gave you his love by sending his son to die for you. Now, if you are a child of God and you've got to be as our Father who is in heaven, what should be our response to our enemies? Love. He demonstrated it by giving us his son, the best of gift. God so loved that he gave his son. Why did he give us his son? Because we were enemies. So what qualified it for his son? Because we were enemies. So once you find an enemy, what's the next thing? The person is qualified for your love. It's qualified for your mercy. It's qualified for your long suffering. It's qualified for your patience. Hallelujah. That is how you're going to prove that you are a child of God. Long suffering, patience, endurance, kindness, mercy. Towards your enemies. That is what makes you one. A child of God. So when you turn around. To pray for your enemies to die. You are invariably trying to say. God why did you give me your love? You ought to have consumed me. You judging yourself. When you are trying to condemn other people. Hallelujah. So whether we've been God's enemies before, his response to us all was that he fed us, he clothed us, he preserved us alive. He left whatever you call the comfort zone and clothed you alive, fed you, Minister to you and continuously sustain you until you begin to realize the impact of his mercy. That's why the scripture says, Ephesians 2, verse number 6, we are saved by grace, which is love, unmerited favor, mercy, kindness. We are saved by God's grace. How? Even though we're enemies. He reconciles us to himself. 
The people who are most qualified for your mercy are your enemies. Hallelujah. So this is what it really means to heap coal of fire on people's head. What does it mean to heap coal of fire on people's head? It's to show them love. It's to show them mercy. It's to have long suffering towards them. <laughs> Hallelujah. This, this, is, this should be a good message, I'm sure. Well, Pastor David, what are you talking about? Can't you see all these people trying to kill me? They're trying to, you know, to block my star. Have you heard that? Oh, your star, they want, they want to take your star. Why will you allow somebody to take your star? No! They must die. And you know what? They will tell you, Uriah must die. Or Uzziah. Uzziah, right? Isaiah 6. Yeah. For the year Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6. Zanus yeah. So Uzziah must die. I remember the other day I was passing by and I saw a billboard. The funeral. Is that a funeral or the burial must take place? That's a billboard. The burial must take place. They are not in people's burial. Because they, they are your enemies, right? You never considered one thing. You shouldn't have even been alive to be able to man that billboard there. Because you were once an enemy of God. The, the barrier must take place. You know, sometimes when I drive around and I see posters and all of those things, I just shake my head. What kind of wall are we really in? What kind of Christianity are we really practicing? You see, as we go through this study, you'll be able to see something. One of the reasons why we don't have comfort in this world is because we do not have the love of God in our hearts. One of the things we can't see Christianity the way it's supposed to be is because we are mixing Christianity with African traditional beliefs. Hallelujah. So here we'll find that God saw us to be enemies. Yes. And then he showed us love. The love that he showed to us was heaping coal of fire on our head. That was not to destroy us, but to melt our hardened hearts. So that we cannot turn back to him. So the love and the good he showed to people melt their hearts. The summary of what I'm about to share all through this series is the quickest and strongest way to turn an enemy towards you is to show him love. And I'm going to prove all of that from the scriptures. Praise God. God changed our lives because he gave us love in his son. He turned us from evil to good by releasing his son unto us. By clothing us. By showing love, mercy all the time. Even in the midst of a rebellion. 
See what Jesus said in Mark chapter 5, verse 44. My, I mean, Matthew 5, verse 44. Book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Listen to what Jesus have to say then. Hallelujah. Sometimes people will tell you, well, in the New Testament, it starts with the book of Acts. I agree. What we read in Romans chapter 12 is New Testament. Am I correct? So, you don't begin to say, oh, Jesus said it before the cross. So, if Jesus said it before the cross, what about what Paul is saying after the cross? You have no argument whatsoever. Praise God. Somebody once told me, Pastor David, hear this. In Matthew 10, Jesus said, I think verse 34, Jesus said, I came with sword that did not come with peace on the earth. So, what is that supposed to mean? Jesus said he came with sword, that means we are supposed to fight and kill people. And the person talking to me was a minister. A lack of understanding of what Jesus meant. The earth was not a physical globe. The earth was the land of Judea. They saw Berlin in the Greek that they used there was actually trying to say the sword of the Roman armies that were going to invade Jerusalem. That is what he was referring to. Not sword in terms of it's time for war. Therefore, let's go to war. Why will he become a man of war, in quote, when he's a prince of peace? You know what that means? He's the author of peace. He doesn't have two characters. He has one. Hallelujah. God is not schizophrenic. It can be hot and cold, loving and very tyrannical at the same time. You don't find such characters in God. God is love. Simple definition. First John chapter 4. God is love. Love is God. That's his character. And whatever thing he does, even if you look at it thinking that it is maybe punishment, it is still love being expressed in form of discipline that you come to him. God doesn't punish people. God disciplines people. The big difference between discipline and punishment. That is what the church have no understanding about. Hallelujah. Matthew 5 verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Praise God. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them who despisefully use you and persecute you. Look at the assignment. 
This is where the tire is missing the road as a Christian. That you've been able to, I mean, because of your prayers, let me put it in a quote, you find somebody to be your enemy. What should be your natural response after that? This one. So, if you see somebody in the spirit to be your enemy, and God is not saying love him, maybe God showed you that individual so that your love will begin to extend to that person. Do you have an enemy? Love your enemies. No option to that. Don't call Holy Ghost fire upon them. Don't burn them alive. Huh? Don't leash them with your Holy Ghost fire. Even in the natural, when people are lynched, set them ablaze, maybe they were thieves or whatever. How do you react? You can't even stand it. You can't stand it. You feel bad. Even somebody's a thief and they put tire around his name, jungle justice, set them on fire. You feel bad. The spirit of God in you is saying it shouldn't be that way. But unknown to you, you're doing the same thing in your prayer closet. Roasting some people in the spirit, unknown to you. The thing you failed, some people did in the natural, that was so repulsive to you. That is what you do in your prayer time, when you pray down Holy Ghost upon people. Holy Ghost, fire, consume them. Consume which people? Show them love, that's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Are we here? Love your enemies. Not enemy. Enemies. That means there are going to be many. (laughs) Praise God. Show love, friends. Love your enemies. Bless them that cause you. How are you going to stand that? See somebody raining curse on you. You've really been able to see this person is cursing me. How are you going to respond to that? As a progress, I'll show you what David did in the book of Second Samuel. When he was running from Saul, and one of the members of the house of Benjamin was running along and abusing David. Have you read that in your Bible? What was the response of David? One of the generals or so. Following David, say, Come on, let me go. Take off his head. Say, No, don't do that. So, do you even know why God allowed him to cause me? Are you surprised the Bible said David is a man after God's own heart? We are talking of a king who have all the ability to send people, take off the head of that idiot trying to insult him. David said, Don't do that. If you were the one, tell me what will happen. The whole king being insulted by one refract. And somebody came and said, can I, oh yeah, come on, go get him off. David said, no, leave him alone. Love your enemies. Bless them that cause you. Do good to them that hate you. It's just the same thing that Paul is saying in Romans 12, verse 20. 
So Paul said that and Jesus said that. You see that? Listen to it. I used to say this. There are two major person's characters for me use the word that are actually subscribed to in the Bible when it comes to we want to call it New Testament and that is Jesus Christ and Paul. If I find whatever thing they teach, I stay by it. They kind of become a pivot for me. They are models that I watch, both in doctrine and in character. Why is it so? Look at the sons of Skiva. Look at the response of the demon to the sons of Skiva. What did they say? Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? That means the demon recognized who Jesus really was and who Paul really was, even in the spirit dimension. No other person was mentioned, in quote. Was there anything responsible for that? Not just the power that they exhibited, but the life that they lived. I may not so much begin to talk to you about the case of Peter. I love him. He got the keys. Yes. But how did he enjoy killing people? Because he got the keys. Hmm? This was the same man that eventually was put in prison. People were praying for his deliverance. But he released the Holy Ghost because somebody lied about money. Ananas, a sapphire. What character is that? He exhibited the keys of the kingdom by preaching the gospel. Then he got the power of the Holy Spirit and he had to speak to the wife. Oh, come on! The feet of those who went to bury your husband are just by the gate. You might fell down. And I think Peter was very happy there was only a big man in the spirit. But the demon said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know. Who are you? They didn't bring in Peter there. Hallelujah. You are not full of the Holy Ghost so that you can cause people and kill people. You have no understanding of who you are. Make you see that when we get down to the book of Luke. Jesus was moving to a city. Remember that? And Right, the scripture says his faith was towards Jerusalem, but then they went to pass the night somewhere, and then they went to prepare a city, they went to the place. People said, no, we don't want Jesus to come in here. And then they went back to Jesus, hey, come on, will you permit us to call fire from heaven to consume them like Elijah did? And Jesus said, man, I didn't come to kill people, I came to save. And you don't understand the kind of spirit that you are made of. You lack understanding. And that's a problem today with the church. We lack understanding of the kind of spirit with which we are better into God's kingdom. We have no understanding of who we are. We love killing people. With whatever opportunities we have. And we call it prayers. Dangerous prayers. Violent prayers. Holy Ghost fire consumed them. And then we put in a song. 
And guess why you will start singing the song? And how you already imagine how your enemies are falling and being consumed by the fire. You understand what I mean? Truth of the matter is the Holy Ghost Spirit or the Holy Ghost fire, if it comes upon somebody, he doesn't consume them to death. He turns them to righteousness. He brings them to God. Hallelujah. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that cause you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them could despisefully use you and persecute you. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. And in Luke chapter 6 verse 28, it said the same thing. Bless them that cause you, and pray for them who despisefully use you. Pray for them who despisefully use you. Those who want to take advantage of you, pray for them. I'll make you see why this has to happen. When you start praying for those who despisefully use you, I'll make you see. When Jesus said, pray for them, feed them, give them, there's a reason. I'll make you see that as you progress. Hallelujah. You see, what we've forgotten to realize is this. If you're walking in obedience with God, with your conviction and belief of who God is and who you are. Unknown to you, there is an edge of protection that no enemy can break through to harm you. None. Peter said, if you be follower of them which is good or that which is good, who can hurt you? It's a question. If you be follower of that which is good, who can hurt you? The answer said, none. And Paul further said, if God be for us, who can be against us? The answer is a no man. So why are you afraid of the devil? Why are you afraid of your enemies? Why are you afraid of those people you classify to be the ones who want to destroy you? Why are you afraid of them? Answer this question. If you be full of that which is good, only one is good. And the one is good is God. Mm -hmm. They went to Jesus and said, we know that you're a good man. Huh? And Jesus said, why call it that me good? Only God is good. By implication, I am God. And if you follow up that which is good, who can hurt you? By implication, if you follow up that which is good, who is God? Who can hurt you? The answer is no. And he said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Answer those questions. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, friend, Bless them that cause you. Pray for them who despisefully use you. This then is a major proof of our Christian faith. If we are truly called of God, as children of God, hallelujah. Faith, if we profess to be one, this is the proof. It's not just the miracles you perform. It's not just the signs of wonders you exhibit. This is the proof. Do you still curse people because they curse you? Do you still wish them, even if you don't pray, do you wish them dead? You are still a victim of what we're talking about. Just wishing, wishing them dead. 
wishing that evil things happens to them. You are not far from those people who are consuming people with fire. You are not far from them. You are the same thing. Hallelujah. So don't forget this. While you try to kill all your enemies, you might be engaged or you're going to be engaged in yourself in irregular funeral services, in burying your relations, for you may not know who your true enemy really is. Do you understand what I mean? Why you love to kill your enemies, you are going to be engaged in constant funeral services. Why? Because... <laughs> Your own relation could probably be the enemy that is troubling you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now you're killing them, so what's the next thing? You always have constant funeral service to conduct. You wouldn't know why you're doing that. You are responsible because you don't know who your enemy really is. And so, if your relations are the ones that are troubling you, in quotes, what happened? They want to be dropping dead. And you only be conducting funeral service. So get ready for more Ashibis. Okay? Praise God. Almost every two, two months you're going to be buying one because somebody have to drop dead who's not wishing you well. You're killing all the enemies. And they could probably be your closest friends or closest brothers. Oh, come on. The Bible tells us that. Where do you find your enemy? Enemies are members of your own household. Did the Bible say so? Now kill all your enemies. So what are you killing? You're killing the members of your own household. Ignorance. Religious blindness. That is what is troubling the church. And that is why the church can't make progress. Because we are far from the mind of God. We are far from the thoughts and the desires of God. We spend all our time killing the enemies. And most of them are the members of our household. And we are surprised. And by the time they drop dead, the next thing, oh God. Now I mean if you understand. For instance, uh, yesterday, two days ago. Or was it yesterday? I had a, I had a dream, a kind of revelation. And I saw somebody, and I'm my wife, and I said, here is what I saw. And we looked at him and said, no, this character, this man, cannot function in this dimension that you've seen him. So what's the next thing? It is not the person per se, it is the character of the person that we should be dealing with. I don't think I need that. We don't go looking for that individual to be somebody who wants to trouble me. No. We see the character of that individual probably coming into my home or wherever to trouble me. So I have to take authority over the spirit being represented by that individual. That's all. I don't have to call that individual to die. No. Spiritual ignorance. Are you there with me? In the natural, I remember my mom used to tell me when I was young, 
And I will tell you, it's still a common belief that it's not all the people you see in your dream or innovation, whatever, that are pressing you, that are actually the people pressing you or praying on you. P R E A, I mean P R E Y, not P R A Y, to pray like you pray. You understand what I mean? Right. It's not all the faces you see praying on you that are actually the people. It's a common belief that witches or so, they use other people's faces to act. Do you believe that? That's why you end up killing people who are supposed to be close to you. Without just thinking that they could just be representing a character that you should probably avoid or should not allow to come close to you. That is just her. Like when I was sharing with my wife, he said, we know that this guy can't. That's the first word she used. And I say, you're right. Hallelujah. Are we still here? <laughs> See, if, if you want to follow Jesus, I think it is just that I said, the way to another life is narrow, but the way to destruction is wide. How many of you remember that? The way to destruction is wide. But the way to eternal life, to reality of God's dimension is narrow. It's and few have been able to find that way. Very few understand why Jesus came to this earth. Very few understand what God is doing in calling people back to himself. 60% 60% of Christianity, if I may use the word, of Christendom, they're just practicing religion, not Christianity. They do what is good for them, what brings in the natural thing, natural blessing, whatever the case may be. But they are not following the way of eternal life. And this is what I'm about to show you in the course of these discussions. There is a way, scriptures say, that see man right unto man, but the end thereof is a way of destruction. There is a way that see man right in the way we pray, but the end of it all is being far away from the mind of God. If we be God's children, we're asked to follow his footsteps. If God have to love you because you are an enemy, how many enemies do you have? What are you supposed to do? Love them, pray for them, bless them, hallelujah. And Paul is saying, when you do this thing to your enemy, you've been coals of fire upon your head. So I'm going to show you in the next section when you start heaping coal of fire upon people what finally comes out of that exercise and the way of life. Praise the living God. God is calling us to a higher life. Beyond that, that which is called tradition. Beyond that which is called faith. Beyond Oh glory. I need you to understand that. He's calling us to a higher place of fellowship with him.
please and please again. Take this new series very seriously. And dig it up together with the violence take it by force. Marry these two messages as we're going to come up. And then join it together with the root of what? Bitterness. God is speaking to us in this season for specific purposes and reasons. And some of you are going to be delivered from the bondage that you've so ensnared yourself because of your belief. And thinking that somebody is responsible for the problem that you are facing. Nobody. Your star is in the hands of God. No enemy has opportunity to touch your star. How many of you remember? The wise men saw the star of Jesus. Herod didn't see. Your star is hidden in the hands of God. Herod can't see your star. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Praise God, somebody. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.